Good to see you, Joy. You too. So for those who are listening in who may not know us, uh, I'm Joy Heath-Rush, and I'm the CEO of ILTA, the International Legal Technology Association. And I've been doing legal technology since 1981. And don't gasp. There was such a thing as legal technology in 1981. (laughs) I'm just saying. So Ben, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Ben Grimes. I'm the vice president of Microsoft Northeast. Um, I'm also the executive sponsor of the professional services industry uh, for all of Microsoft US and North America. Great. Well, Ben and I are talking today because we have the pleasure of, of working together to plan and then execute and participate in a fantastic legal summit the last week of uh, January, which was held in Atlanta at a um, great Microsoft Experience Center. And I have to say, I used to do conference rooms, build outs as part of my job. So I'm like, wow, I really like those acoustic treatments. They're very effective and they look also like decoration. Wow, those mics are great. So that was fun for me, I just have to say. Uh, So Ben and I today are just gonna have, we're calling it a fireside chat about some of the themes that emerged through the legal summit, some of the activities that we're undertaking on behalf of the legal vertical and broad, more broadly professional services. And um, so we're gonna jump right in. So um, Ben, I know from talking with you that you take yeah. the issue of listening very seriously. Um, what role kind of more broadly does listening to customers play for Microsoft in developing and revisiting product roadmap? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, And and I'll say it's it's not a secret, um, but it's not that widely known that a tremendous amount of Microsoft's innovation comes from our customers. Um, It comes from our customers' unique challenges. Um, You think about uh, some of the things of global tenants in Office 365 and having to deal with the regulatory landscape of where data can and can't be shared, right? Those are things that weren't necessarily in version one of a product. Um, They come from our our customers, um, and it can be a large group of smaller customers or a small group of large customers saying, hey, we need this. Like, we can't use your product because it doesn't have or we have an addressable opportunity, Microsoft, will you make something to fit this need? Um, So I would say that customer listening is absolutely at the core, all the way deeply into our engineering and product groups, uh, because it doesn't benefit us to make a product that our customers don't love. It doesn't benefit us to make a product that has material blockers to usage. Like, hey, we love this, we wanna use it, but Microsoft, you have to fix X. Um, So listening is really, really important. I will talk about two different sides of listening. Um, I think one is listening to an industry, right? What does an industry need? Um, And forums like, and and Joy, always appreciative for all of the different forums that that you invite uh, myself and Microsoft more broadly to. And those are amazing listening forums for myself and others to get an understanding of, hey, what does this industry need? And that will always be a part of what we do. You know, we have councils to listen to CIOs and CIOs, uh, CEOs, and all these different forms, and we'll always have that, and that's critical. The other side of it, though, is most of our customers actually need something bespoke, right? Most of our large enterprise customers need something bespoke. So the second side of listening is are are our account teams listening? Are our in our executive interactions? Are we really listening to that customer's unique needs? Uh, because the reality is for somebody to end up with a complete usable solution, it probably has something special about it, right? Some special element. And if we just show up with a slide 
and say, hey, look at this cool product we made. Um, we'll give you a quote. You should buy it. We're, we're not doing our jobs, right? We have to really, really listen to what's the full landscape of the challenge or the opportunity that our customer has, and then go back and think with our technologists of, okay, what is the collection of solutions that actually solves this for the customer, not just what products can we sell to them? So yeah, both sides of listening. Um, have been a big part of Microsoft for for a long time, but I will say our current leadership um, under uh, Satya Satya Nadella, our CEO, um, most folks that you interact with roll up to Judson Altoth, our uh, Chief Commercial Officer for Microsoft. They talk about listening all the time. Like it is a part of every single engagement that they have with our teams. Is you have to listen. You just have to listen really, really well um, to what our customers are asking for. So huge, huge part of the process for sure. I know that there are some formal channels, like you talked about your C CEO and CIO advisory yeah. boards. Uh, I sit on the commercial licensing advisory board, for example. You mm -hmm. know, that's a great institutional listening mechanism. Yeah. Um, what other channels are available for customers? I mean, you talked about the account team, mm -hmm. but are there are there other channels that are available that that our listeners might be interested in pursuing? Um, yeah, there's there's actually a lot out there. Um, mm -hmm. And I think one thing that we can do a better job with and probably working with you, Joy, is sort of just advertising mm -hmm. the different forums that we have. But we've also been creating spaces, right? Like this legal EBC that that many were able to, to attend was an amazing channel for us to be quiet and listen um, and to learn. So I think we do have forums out there and we, we need to do the best possible job of advertising those. But I'm all for creating new forums, um, as long as it's productive uh, for all of us to have a conversation, for us to have a forum to listen more deeply and figure out where we can have a positive impact on the industry. Um, we'll we'll leverage what we have and we'll create new as needed. That'd be great, and I look forward to the opportunity to to work yeah. with you on that for legal. Um, one of the things that I think is really important in these listening conversations is to have vocabulary. You know, each each vertical, each industry has its own vocabulary, right? Yeah. So I know that Microsoft has made a kind of a pivot. Um, there was a, a vertical industry focus for a while and then not, and, and you kind of pivot, pivoted back to it. Why is that valuable for Microsoft? Yeah, um, look, it's it's valuable for us if we want to be on mission to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. We take that seriously. I think a lot of companies have a mission. Some do a fantastic job of really having that be their North Star. Um, some maybe not as much. Uh, at Microsoft, we take that really, really seriously. And if we want to be more than just someone that sells products in the technology landscape, we have to know our customers. Um, and to know your customers, you said it best. You have to speak the language. Um, and you know, it was it was interesting. So we did the legal EBC, uh, which was right. which was awesome, and that's sort of a language I've been engaged with mm -hmm. for a really long time. The next day, I was in a roundtable with a bunch of advertisers, and they were using acronyms that I. <laughs> I was just lost. Like I raised my hand. I'm like, what can somebody just fill me in? What what is that? Um, mm -hmm. So look, it's important that we align our teams in a way that speaks the language, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. The second benefit to that is how we evolve our product sets, how we package our solutions up. 
um, for each individual industry is important. So like the reality is the technology landscape, it's changing, it's evolving. Um, legal and regulatory fields are definitely no exception. So you think about things like privacy, cyber, digital safety, responsible AI, um, lawful access, competition, <laughs> platform regulation, trade, accessibility, national security and sustainability. Um, those are all things that are top of mind. So over the last five years, and look, each industry probably relates to some of those, but not all of them. And they have yeah. you know, two they would delete and two more that they would add. So over really the last five plus years, we've been on a journey to pivot to industry. Um, so some of the largest industries have um, are grouped into like a specific operating unit. So we have a national financial services, retail manufacturing, right? And that's just about propensity. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of giant companies that are in those industries. Um, so it you know makes sense from a scale perspective. Cool, we'll just have a national group mm -hmm. that does nothing but that. Other industries like media and entertainment, energy, professional services are grouped into our geographic regions, which is what I lead, right? Microsoft Northeast. Um, so what we've done over the last couple of years, and I've been a big proponent of this and actually uh, you know, a part of executing it across the country, is to go a layer deeper than just industry, right? So professional services, cool, but what does a law firm have in common with an engineering firm? Some things, but not all that much. Um, so what we've done is take entire groupings of teams. So we're talking about the account executive, the technology strategist, uh, the solution area leaders, those that know security really well, and those that know uh, business applications really well, and then the customer success teams. And we've sort of grouped them all together and said, look, this whole group under this leader is going to do nothing but legal. This whole group's gonna do nothing but advertising. This whole group's gonna do nothing but public utilities. And what that allows us to do over time, I think it's a few things. First is um, earn trust, right? Speaking that language is so critical, right? To, to beginning to earn trust um, and really save our clients time to not have to educate our teams. That is a, I've been in this, in this business for uh, two and a half decades at this point. One of the biggest valid customer frustrations I hear is every time you change account executives, I have to teach them this industry and that's really frustrating. So we're trying to make sure that there is a full ecosystem that supports nothing but this industry. So you don't have to spend the time on that 101 level. Um, we also want these teams to know the key partners in the industry. That is critical, right? Microsoft has over 40,000 partners in the ecosystem. Um, it's a flourishing ecosystem. We think it has tremendous value to our customers, but with 40,000, you don't, I don't know all 40,000, um, but I do know, right, the top five, top 10 that are in the legal industry, because I spend a lot of time with the legal industry and with those partners. And I think that has value um, ultimately back to the client that we we understand who those key players are and ultimately how they interface with, with our technologies. Um, and then regulations, right? And also just what's important. Right. What is important to this industry? Regulations are important, but there's always other things. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, kind of why do we do this? Because the reality is we want to solve challenges with you. Right. We do build great platforms. Microsoft builds phenomenal platforms for, for our clients to use. But where the magic happens is when we take those platforms and time together in a particular way, again, to solve a particular problem or address a particular opportunity. Um, and look, you're not going to trust us to build things with you. You're not going to bring us your most challenging issues if we don't even fundamentally understand what it is that you do. Um, so sorry for the long answer, but no, definitely no. passionate I mean, I, about, about industry. I think that's important because, you know, it, it's um, as Simon Sinek says, people buy from people. 
ultimately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and when you look at the practice of law, uh, at the end of the day, it's a relationship business. It's a trust business. That's what it's about. You trust your lawyer. Right. And so we get that. That's that's ingrained in the DNA of professional right. services. And so um, I think that's really important. So uh, you mentioned um, security. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always top of mind. Right. Yeah. Um, has legal had any role in shaping Microsoft's approach to to cloud data security, particularly? I know. Um, You'll smile when I, I I can remember Legal Summit in 2019, yeah. uh, where we were told that we were that legal was one of three most cloud resistant industries, along with um, healthcare, um, adversary, and no adversary nation states. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and the press, you know, okay. like uh, traditional traditional press media, like newspapers. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting group to be in, and and certainly, Micros, uh, like legals talked a lot about security. Have we played a role in shaping some of your cloud data security strategy? And if so, what what role have we played? Yeah, it's it's been a major role, right? It's one thing mm-hmm. to um, develop this amazing cloud platform and and put our customers in a position to leverage the advantages of of both. You know, you don't have to do your updates anymore. We just do it for you in the cloud, um, and you get the economy of scale of cloud economics, um, all of those things. But if it doesn't meet regulatory standards and it's not trustworthy, right. it's not helpful, right? In particular to this industry. So while hey, you read that report, right? That the legal industry was was most scared of cloud. Thank you for that, because uh, you pushed us, and I mean that, right? You pushed us. Um, pushed us very hard in a number of areas that it was like, look, we're not going to use your cloud because you don't, right? And there was, there, there was always a long and evolving list of because you don't. And back to listening systems, we listen, we take it back, um, and we start to work on it. So, you know, if I pick on one of them a little bit, right, the whole blind subpoena issue, yeah. right, that was a critical one. I feel like the temperature on that has has come down a little bit. You know, that's sort of not the first thing I typically hear um, when when meeting with with leaders and firms, but but it is critical. So like, hey, how does Microsoft respond to that um, over time? Right? What, what do we do to 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 solve that for the for the community? Um, so in that example, like we committed to challenge every government request uh, for public sector enterprise data from any government where there was a lawful basis to do so. Um, some basic principles, whether a demand is based on law enforcement or national security authorities, Microsoft committed to. Uh, First, we do not provide any government with direct or unfettered access to customer data. We don't provide any government with the ability to break our encryption, and we don't provide them our encryption keys. We review every legal demand to ensure it's valid and enforceable, and we only disclose data in response to a legal demand when we're clearly compelled to do so, and also we only provide the data pertaining to the specific accounts or identifiers. Okay, so that's great. Like Microsoft, you're saying you're going to do this, but are you really reporting on it? And we, so yes, we do. Um, So in our most recent reporting period, which was January to June of 22, um, what we reported is Microsoft received 26,365 global requests for customer data from law law enforcement around the world. Um, Keep in mind, we have millions and millions and hundreds of millions of uh, individual users, uh, consumer users. So of the 26,000 plus, only 152 of those were related to enterprise customers. Uh, 
And in two thirds of those cases, 96 of 152, the end result was no data was provided. Uh, we rejected it, it was withdrawn, um, or it was redirected to the customer, right? Thank you for your request, go to the customer. They have that data too, they can give it to you. Um, the requests are almost always related to small enterprises where the enterprise itself or the senior leadership of that enterprise is directly accused of criminal conduct. Um, so that's just an example of how we listened to the legal industry and we went back and we said, okay, Microsoft has a huge commitment to privacy, to transparency. Um, so first of all, we're going to develop a set of standards that I would put in the bucket of do the right thing. And then we're going to report on it with frequency so that everyone can see exactly what we're doing, what we're not doing and how we're handling it. Um, so yeah, it, yes. And there's, um, we we continue to listen to the legal industry when it comes to cloud, um, and we continue to be appreciative uh, for that for that feedback because it makes us better. It makes us go back and, and develop things yeah, like this. One of the things that, of course, is near and dear to the heart of of legal is that um, if if a hacker gets into a Fortune 500 company, they get that company's data. Yeah, you know, law firms often have bet the company kind of data on multiple you know, multiple companies. Yeah. And so they take protection of the client's assets very, very seriously. So yeah. um, the last question I have for you, and then I'll see if you have any questions for me, sure. is we were talking about, we've we've talked a lot today about listening and input mm -hmm. and channels. Yeah. Um, one of the speakers at Legal Summit, and I, I'm going to paraphrase what he said was one of the current challenges is how to create the next generation AI enabled data platform for legal that includes compliance and insights and security, plus, of course, creating documents, which is what we do all the time. Yeah. Um, this obviously is, is a sim probably similar challenge with other knowledge industries, too. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that that our legal community can yeah. contribute to, you know, how this platform develops? Yes, you you have to. Uh, we can't go develop something like that ourselves. Um, Microsoft, in the data and AI space, we've always had a principle of 95, meaning Microsoft will do 95% of the work. Our customers should not have to train a language model um, on, a, on a given language, regardless where you are globally. Uh, there's so much code to that. Like, why in the world would we have thousands of enterprises across the customer developing what I would call core AI technologies? Um, what makes those AI technologies valuable is what our customers ultimately do with them and what we do together with them. Um, so CIOs, business leaders are going to be absolutely ascent. AI is obviously a little bit of a, of a hot topic right now. Um, <laughs> And and ultimately, you know, the the CIOs in combination with the business leaders are going to be critical to to what we build together that are based on our foundational models. Foundational models. Uh, some folks listening to this will, will get really well, um, and and some will be catching up on. It's it's kind of a, not new terminology, but I'll say new to be in the sort of common lexicon. And the foundational technologies, right? Chat GPT, uh, which everyone is talking about right now, mm -hmm. is built on OpenAI. OpenAI is a foundational model. Um, from that foundational model, you can build out all kinds of amazing AI applications like ChatGPT. Um, so really to create the next generation AI-enabled data platform for legal, we think it has it's going to have to include compliance, insights, and security. 
Um, and we think each organization needs to consider a few key aspects uh, to create that environment. So first, you get in what you put, you get out what you put in. Yeah, garbage um, in, garbage out, right? Garbage that in, garbage old, out, right. Old saying. For sure. The quality of the data um, is absolutely key. So a well-performing AI platform for legal is as good as the data, people, processes, experiences, and security that are behind it, right? A great AI from a pure engineering standpoint still might not do the job, right? If you don't have the people, the process, the experiences, and the security wrapped around it. Um, second is define and focus the scope. That's critical, right? Is what do you want this to do? Um, so there's plenty of use cases. Um, you know, AI AI-based platforms for legal can help with legal review, research, e-discovery, litigation prediction, contract analysis, um, leveraging any number of AI-based methods and analytics, right? Things like natural language processing, machine learning, advanced uh, data visualization. Um, so CIOs are going to have to aid in the construction of these AI-enabled platforms um, to really dig into what are the top business challenges and what can we apply um, this AI to do in a way that has value, right? Are we making the attorneys better? Are we making them more efficient? Are we producing better outcomes for your clients, ultimately? Um, that's what's the most important thing here. And then lastly is keeping up with the rule makers, right? That is so important. You can't develop for legal a stagnant AI model, right? It's a, I can't remember the exact date, right? But chat GPT sort of says, hey, we've only ingested data up to this point in time. So you might get dated answers, right? Don't ask yeah. um, who won the baseball game today because mm -hmm. it doesn't know. Mm -hmm. um, so when we think about an AI for legal, it is, you know, just think of the regulations we know, right? GDPR, HIPAA, um, CCPA, Etc. And those regulations are not stagnant themselves. So, and, and you think of law, right, developing, uh, unfolding on a continuing basis. Um, so we're going to have to develop AI platforms that can constantly ingest the changes and make the appropriate adaptions to it. Well, and to, that deals with the the varying regulatory you know, yeah. environment too. That That's really challenging because here in the U.S., we don't think of law firms as being particularly regulated. Um, but that's not true in other jurisdictions. You know, there's yeah. been a lot of play about the the issues with AI being used in court proceedings in France, for example. Right. Uh, so, so we have to deal with all of that. Um, well, Ben, you've let me grill you for about 20 minutes now. And so <laughs> it, if you want to return the favor, please feel free. All right, I, I just have one for you. And it's the same question I always have because you do such an amazing job with this community of bringing us together. So what's next? What's coming up um, that listeners should be looking forward to between uh, ILTA and Microsoft? Yeah, well, we've got some great stuff um, uh, in for the, our UK audience. And actually, uh, people around the world are welcome. But I will say it's in being done in a UK-friendly time zone. Okay. We have a four-part series we've uh, we're just announced with Microsoft on aspects of Viva. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of interest in that market about the potential of Viva in learning and analytics mm -hmm. and how it can be applied to some of these knowledge-related problems uh, that, that law firms encounter. Uh, talking about the, the listening, on February 28th, um, 
we have a roundtable coming up on Teams phones to compare yeah. notes about how people are using them, some of the challenges they have, and we're going to build an issues list out of that. And yeah. then um, for everyone, Ben and I are working together on a, on setting up a formal listening session to kind of address some mm -hmm. of those and gather more requirements. That'll be great. And then on April 20th, we have a Teams phone one-day event where we're going to be taking a deep dive into a lot of aspects of Teams phone. And then um, the wonderful Charlotte and Jordan on Ben's team are, and I are working together on, a, on an eight-part um, series on deep dives of other aspects of Teams and integrations. And like the, the two of the parts are going to be uh, Teams and Exchange. Like when you have exchange online versus on-prem, what lights up that didn't light yeah. up before? What do you need to know when you make those moves? So we're um, happy to be collaborating on all of this. We appreciate the opportunity and we're looking forward to next year's Legal Summit. It'll be it'll be here before we know it. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing you as always. Um, and thanks for having me, Joy. And also again, thank you for everything um, you do to bring this community together. I. You know, a lot of this conversation was based on listening. We would not listen as well without you and, and Ilsa's help. So thank you for that. Thank you, Ben. And everybody, and thanks for listening in and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. See you, Joy. See ya.